cooperative member. I love being a cooperative member because of the energy resources that are available. Welcome to the Power for Your Life podcast, where we focus on energy efficiency, the value of electric cooperative membership, and safety around electricity. I'm Harrison Waters, your host, and today we'll be discussing digging safely. You know, as the weather warms up, you might be ready to dig into some outdoor projects. But remember, if your project involves actual digging, there are some steps you might want to take to comply with laws and staying safe. With me by phone today to talk about how to stay safe when working on projects that involve digging is Dan Yolhorn with Macon Electric Cooperative and Derek Leffert with Missouri One Call. Thank you both for joining me today. Appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So we know that we need to have safe digging practices for many reasons. You know, maybe tell me to start, what's, what's the most important reason we need to be safe while we're digging? Well, I, I can probably start with that, and then Dan can certainly add into this. Uh, you know, there are, there's a significant risk associated with people that are, that are doing excavation work, especially as it relates to underground utilities. There's excavation safety, you know, trench collapses and things like that to consider. But the primary thing that they need to be worried about is all of the, the various different lines that are buried into the ground, specifically the gas and electric. You know, those are the things that can certainly hurt you or kill you. So. That's the, the primary reason that, that folks need to use our system. Yeah, I just kind of right. piggyback off that. So it's just really important that our members are know that there's, there's real danger down there, and you can't see it under the ground, but it's um, electricity, and it's um, it only gives you one chance. Right. Now, is there a specific season that this occurs, or is this a year-round problem? Are a lot of people in spring starting to do some of these backyard projects, so this is probably more, you know the more common time period for it? Yeah, you, this is April. April is a, actually safe digging month, so it's an opportunity for us to really kind of uh, expose the what what is out there and what folks need to be doing. Uh, and the reason April is safe digging month is because for the very reason that you just mentioned. You know, there's there's uh, everybody's wanting to, to get started on their on their projects that they've been waiting all winter to get done. So uh, it's now's a good time. Yeah, I agree. It's um, you know all the stimulus checks and everything going on and tax money coming in. People have got a lot of projects this spring, and uh, I would I would guesstimate there'd be there'd be a lot of reasons to to call to um, dig right to make sure that you're uh, safe. Yeah. I'm sure that COVID did not slow down the uh, getting outside and, and doing some backyard projects, especially with those stimulus checks that you mentioned, Dan, for sure. Maybe if you can, Derek, go ahead and, and start off by just telling me some of the first proper steps when it comes to starting a backyard project and, and what, uh, what are the first necessary things you need to do? Yeah, so the first thing that uh, everybody needs to do is to contact Missouri One Call. Uh, make sure you have all the information. Uh, related to what you're going to be doing and where you're going to be doing it at. So all your address, location, uh, what, you know, how deep you're going to be digging, what kind of tools you're going to be using. And then uh, you can either call that in or you can submit it online. Uh, and submitting on, online is certainly easier. But uh, either way, you, whether you call it in or you submit it online, 
uh, we would we would just encourage you to do that. Take that very first step. Once you get that done, we're going to give you a list of the utilities that are in the area, and uh, you basically uh, will provide that to you, and we'll send that to you in an email address. In an email, so if you got if you provide us with an email address, we'll send that to you. Um, and then your responsibility as an excavator doesn't matter if you're a homeowner or if you're a professional contractor. Your responsibility is to to make sure that you check off and make sure that all those utilities have responded to that locate request. So, you know, when you when you see the the blue marks, the water company has responded. When you see the red marks, the electric company has responded. And yellow for gas. So just check those off and make sure all of them have responded. And then we would always encourage folks right before they begin their excavation to take what we call pre-excavation photos, which means that uh, you, you take out your, your cell phone camera or, or any other type of camera and just take pictures of what that site looks like right before you begin your excavation. And there's a, a variety of different reasons to do that, but those are the, the first initial steps that we would encourage folks to take. Yeah, that's great. You know, piggybacking off of that, you mentioned your cell phone, and I know that technology has made things a lot easier to snap those photos and, and get everything out there. When it comes to checking, you know, where the lines are and all that, has technology played a big role in how uh, safe digging, you know, has evolved over the years? Uh, Dan, are you a locator? Um, no, I have located, um, but I haven't, I haven't done it for a few years, but technology is definitely definitely made things um i think flow better on the paperwork side of things and after the marking but to still um good old-fashioned paint and locating is, is the same yeah there's certainly been advances in 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 like dan said you know in the in the, in the technology realm as far as you know processing the locate requests at least on our end we consistently invest in, in research and development uh, but beyond that, I think the the machines that are used to actually locate the lines uh, are are certainly getting better. But it's never going to be an exact science because there's a variety of different things that could uh, impact how how accurate those locates are. So uh, technology certainly is improving, and you know Missouri One Call is is heavily invested in making sure that that we continue to to make it easier uh, for folks to submit their locate requests and uh, provide them with the tools and resources that they need. But uh, it, it's never going to be an exact science, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And so maybe for those new homeowners out there, someone who's never made these calls, maybe someone who has never, you know, taken on a backyard project, um, up to either one of you, you know, can you explain that process of how, you know, the tools that are used to locate the wires um, or, or the underground um, utility that we're looking for here. Can you maybe just high level explain how that how that's done? Well, I've never been a locator, so I'm going to defer to Dan on that and just kind of fill in the gaps there. Where sure, um, yeah, the, the he he is right. Dick's right. The technology has been great, but there's you know back in the old days, um, I you know guys would take two pieces of copper and they could walk by and they call it witching. And they could find a water line, and some people really was really good at it. I still don't know how that works, but they could actually use that. But um, a lot of times on the water side of it, they actually they every time they put a new line in, they put a wire in there that they can hook up to a locator and actually tone the line and get really accurate. Some of the old water lines, you're, you're not going to um, kind of find it. it's kind of by a mapping system. With electricity, we use kind of the magnetic field or the power of the wire that that produces, and we can find 
um, the, um, the current going through there and that our machines will actually pick that current up and locate it. And then we, we also have a deal where we can actually hook something onto the wire itself and, and it, they call it toning. It puts a signal out there and then we can find the, uh, the actual depth uh, where it's at. Um, you know, Derek said before things are, you know, not always accurate. And that's true. Um, you get into subdivisions and bigger subdivisions where you can have multiple underground um, primary line underneath there. That uh, magnetic field can kind of mess up the locator. So um, we always were pretty good at it. And we contract a company and our, our linemen um, do the marking ourselves too. But um, it's you still got to be careful and you can't just because it says clear, just, you know, go at it full, full bore. You need to be careful when you're digging. Just to kind of add to that, I mean, so there's there's a variety of different methods to use. It's, it, witching sticks is the less <laughs> the less uh, the lesser of all the evils, I think. It, <laughs> you know, surprisingly, it it does work for some people, and I, I've actually tried it, and it actually does work. But we certainly would not recommend uh, utilities to to locate their facilities in that in that manner. Uh, yeah. You're essentially just inducing that radio frequency on whatever line you're trying to locate, and then uh, once once that is done, then they, they basically take their, their receiver. They've got the transmitter that induces the radio frequency, and they've got the receiver, and they go out. You'll see them swinging along back and forth, and uh, they're trying to basically pick up the peak of that signal is what they're trying to do. And it's, it's you know, it varies depending on what they're trying to locate, but uh, it, it's a very, very complex process to find something you can't see. Yeah, I bet. That's something that um, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And, you know, we'll make sure that we clarify that witching sticks is not the recommended choice there. But I'm very familiar with that. And it, it definitely does look like um, I first time I saw it, I thought someone was performing a magic trick. So Yeah, yeah. I would not recommend it, but it's it's kind of neat when, he, when you say it works. But I, w- I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, bet on it for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to these projects, I, I I would guess that a little bit of the issue is, you know, people get anxious. They they haven't done the proper planning. They go out in the backyard. They've got the shovel out. They're ready to install that, you know, uh, in-ground pool or whatever it is. And they probably are getting ready to go. What kind of planning do they need to do and how much time, you know, when it comes to making the necessary steps, um, you know, how long before they can get someone out there? Is it, you know... Should they expect to call a day in advance, a couple of days in advance when they submit that request? What's the t- you know turnaround time for them? Missouri law requires that uh, excavators, no matter what type of excavator you are, whether you're a homeowner or a professional contractor, uh, that they contact us two days plus the day that it's called in. So we always tell folks to, to give us three days advance notice. So, uh, you know, if you want to start a project on Saturday, you, the latest you're going to contact us is going to be on Wednesday. So the utilities again have the two days plus the day that it's called in. Yeah, that's great information to know. Um, and I'm sure weather plays a big factor in that. I know I had some done in my yard for some septic work and then all of a sudden, you know, they weren't able to come out and excavate in my yard. So then the, the postings um, that were in place had to be redone. Uh, I know that's important. I know you're not uh, you know, supposed to go out there and have faded um, marks on your yard. So maybe explain how the weather plays that role or being delayed and why, why it is so important to, to make sure you do this right. Well, so the, the law actually requires removal of this. When the, when the marks have become faded or diminished due to weather, construction, or other causes, 
uh, Missouri law actually requires that uh, any excavator submit a, a renewal request. And the reason for that is because uh, there's, you know, when, when, the, when the marks begin to fade or they become diminished or they're, they're, they're questionable, uh, then there's, there's some additional risk associated with that. And, and so uh, a lot of times people make the mistake, they, they, they refresh their own tickets, right? So they just grab whatever color paint they have and they go out there and they refresh their own, whatever marks were there. The problem with that is that when, when folks do that, they assume the liability if it was mismarked in the first place. And then typically, you know, usually po folks don't have multiple different uh, colors of paint. So they go out there and maybe they, they have a, you know, an orange can of spray paint and they use that orange can of spray paint to uh, renew the gas marks. Well, people typically dig uh, a lot more carefully around gas than they do around telecommunications lines. So there's that risk associated with that there as well. Yeah, that's good. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, Dan and Derek are gonna share some more of our digging safety tips. Are you planning to landscape or build an addition to your home? If so, be sure to get utilities located and marked before you dig. Call 811 at least three business days in advance. It's a free call, and it can save you time and money while keeping you safe. Learn how to avoid underground utilities at safeelectricity.org. Visit membersfirst.coop to learn more. Energy efficiency tip number 101, plant trees and shrubs to provide shade on the east, south, and west sides of your home. Evergreen trees and shrubs can provide a windbreak on the north side. Visit takecontrolandsave.coop to learn more. We are back with the Power for Your Life podcast, and today I'm visiting with Dan Yolhorn with Macon Electric Cooperative and Derek Leffert with Missouri One Call. Guys, you've given us a lot of great information about this. Maybe, you know, let's tell people why this is such a big deal. Um, what could some of the severities be uh, for not doing this properly? So I'll just tell you that there, there has been fatalities as a result of people not using the system the way that it's supposed to be used. Uh, there has been injuries, a number of different injuries. Uh, and then there's, there's fines that can be levied as a result of people not using the system the way that they're supposed to. And they'll also, uh, there, there could be a significant cost to repair the damages. So, you know, there was an incident back in Kansas City in 2012 where, uh, an underground line was struck, an underground gas line was struck. The gas migrated into a restaurant in a very, very populated area. Uh, in downtown Kansas City, blew the restaurant up and, and killed somebody inside that restaurant. Uh, so that's the worst case scenario. Fortunately, that doesn't happen a lot, uh, but it, it can happen and does happen. And so folks need to understand that. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when folks get into a, an underground electric line, they're going to have a pretty bad day there too. So the gas and electric really is what can hurt you or kill you. And that's what folks need to 
make sure that they're they're the most cognizant of. Uh, but beyond that, the AG's office can can find people if people aren't aren't calling in for locate requests or utilities are not locating the lines like they're supposed to. Uh, by law, the AG's office can impose a $10,000 penalty per violation on that. So, you know, there's there's some significant financial penalties there as well. In addition to that, when you talk about getting into fiber optic telephone lines, if you haven't done what you're supposed to do under the law uh, and you damage one of those those underground fiber optic lines, those can be extraordinarily expensive to repair. And I, I'm talking in the hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So that's just some of the penalties. I'm sure Dan's got some, some good examples of, of kind of things that he's seen as well. Yeah, it's um, it it's kind of scary when in the rural area, I think when you go into a bigger city, um, you start to see less power lines um, in the air and, and you, you see a lot more stuff going underground just because, of the, you know, to make it look better in the city and subdivisions are a big deal. They don't want to see all the poles in the, in the air, so you kind of think more underground. But what what happens to people is is a you know backyard or they got an open field and um, you know gas lines have been put in there years ago uh, that people you know uh, forget about or didn't even know about in fields and um, in backyards and front yards. Um, that's what gets people in trouble. Electrical lines, and primary, um, especially, is you know is dangerous and you know our our voltage here at making is uh, 7200 and um that that's a very dangerous voltage but also 110 and 240 you know if you got a meter pole and you got underground going to your house or going to your shop um that can be just as dangerous uh, that that electricity it, it affects people different and um and a lot of people have gotten hurt so it's it's You've got to really, if you were going to dig, if you're going to put a shovel on the ground, it doesn't hurt. The technology we talked about earlier, it's so easy to call um, and to get somebody out there and to check on that. Uh, we, we've we had a lot of, you know, I was thinking of an example when we were talking about earlier. We had a, you know, you put the flags out, you put the paint out. We had a, a kid take the flag, so they thought that it was pretty cool and took them home. And now the marking's gone. So you uh, you, you want to plan ahead and, and, and before you just do a project and take the time to say, hey, it's going to take three days. Um, and that way you're digging as quickly as possible after everything is marked. Uh, so those things like that don't happen. But yeah, you got you to be careful. And electricity, like I said earlier, is very unforgiving. So um, it doesn't hurt to make a phone call because it can save uh, yourself um, and whoever's working with you their lives. Wow. Yeah, that's great information. So I guess one of our the biggest takeaways for listeners here is, you know, this isn't just a recommendation, um, you know, like Derek mentioned even before that, you know, there is some legal obligations here to avoid fines and to just do things the right way, um, you know, from a safety perspective um, could mean the difference of uh, injury or, or something, you know, more severe. Um is is there anything that that does not require i know you know if you're digging in your flower bed you're fine is there any area that's okay or any depth that's okay uh to be doing no that's actually a common misconception people people assume that if they're if they're just you know using a shovel that they don't have to call or if they're only digging a couple inches you know doing flower planting or something like that that they don't have to call that's actually incorrect missouri law requires anybody anytime they disturb the the earth they are required by Missouri law 
to contact us. Doesn't matter if you're digging two inches, two feet, doesn't matter if you're using a track hoe, back hoe, garden hoe. Uh, the law requires you to contact Missouri One Call. And the reason for that is because utilities may have been installed at whatever depth when they were initially installed, but over the course of time, erosion or landscaping, things like that can change uh, the depth of that utility. So it's always important for people to assume that, they're, that the utilities are just below the surface. Wow, that, that's great information. Certainly something I learned, I learned right there. You know, you can't just, if you're making a flower bed, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a pass right away. Yeah, and we find that a lot with, you know, mailboxes. People say, well, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just installing a mailbox. Well, where are you installing that mailbox? You're installing that mailbox right by the road. And where are all the buried utilities at? Right by the road, you know. So uh, that's, that's why it's so important, no matter what they're doing, that they, they contact us. Maybe tell us, is are there certain depths? You know, I know we all should be concerned, like Derek just mentioned, any depth needs to be checked. Huh? Are there really common depths for all these different lines? So when people are, are, are doing doing work that they're going to expect to see things like maybe what's what does it look like underground? Are there certain things that are lower than others um, when it comes to that? Yeah, Dan, you want to cover how deep your electric lines are? Yeah, we uh, we go four foot, four to five foot. Um, it depends on like he was talking about erosion or um, if they're doing dirt work. Um, well, if we know that we talk to the contractor and they might take some leveling off or something, we'll, we'll go deeper. But our our standard is pretty much four foot, and then we'll put a two foot um, tape inside there. Uh, it's kind of an indicator that you know you're digging uh, close to our our line, um, but it's uh, four foot's where we start out at. Yeah, and then the, the other utilities, you know, are, it's buries. Typically, your telecommunication lines are buried the, the most shallow. Um, they generally take the path of least resistance on those telephone lines. Uh, natural gas lines would probably be the next uh, uh, most shallow. And then, you know, your water lines are going to be below the frost line. Sewer lines are typically going to be deeper just for, you know, the gravity feed reasons. Uh, and then electric lines are going to be somewhere in between. So. Uh, there's no legal requirement in Missouri for them to uh, bury it at any certain depth. Uh, there are certain standards, like uh, like Dan mentioned, they've got a, you know a four to five foot standard. I think that's probably consistent with the National Electric Safety Code. And so other you know other utilities certainly have recommendations that they need to follow as well, but they they are not legally required to do those, and most oftentimes they don't. And you know one of the the reasons that that we can't impose a a statewide um, depth is because the 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 soil conditions are are vastly different in southern Missouri than they are up in you know the, the river bottoms in northern Missouri. You know it's it's pretty much all rock down in the you know, Branson area. And, uh, you get up you know north in the farmland area, you see a lot more. Uh, you know it's a lot easier to dig up there. So uh, that's another reason that it's it's not required. And do you guys get as many calls or, or issues with the um, commercial side of things versus uh, the residential? You know, are they having issues with digging just as much as residential? Or kind of what's the mix there when it comes to um, the, the differences for, for dig safety? Probably the majority of our locate requests are from professional contractors that are doing, you know, commercial type work, like utility installations, things like that. Um, 
our homeowner volume accounts for a lot less. However, last year, our homeowner volume, when everybody was stuck at home during COVID and everybody was doing projects, our homeowner volume went up almost 25%. So um, we, we certainly see homeowner calls and, and homeowners are oftentimes a lot less uh, more not a lot less knowledgeable about the one call process and what they need to be doing so there's a there's a real danger there with with homeowners because they don't know exactly what they need to be doing and, and uh, you know there's that risk there too yeah we um our, our commercial people they've they, you know they don't want to be fined and they want to get their guys hurt so it's they're usually really good at it they kind of know the laws but uh um just to piggyback what he was saying it the homeowners they don't know that but I think that's what's really good of associated in kind of our how we work at co-ops. We educate our members. I do fourth grade demonstrations, and one of my uh, deal that I do talking with the kids is talking about eight one one and um, uh, you know using that commercial as much as I can. And I'm surprised all the time how many teachers are like, well, they didn't know that. And so it's our job as a as a cooperative in the state of Missouri to educate our members um that they can call and i think that's getting um over the years i'd say over the say the last 10 years that's really improved and pretty much everybody's is is knows that but um it's a good reminder for all of us to we got to educate our educate our members the best we can so they know the facts yeah and dan are there any other situations where you know members would contact you know a co-op directly or or just notify you all and it, what situations would those be if, if there are Oh yeah, there's there's emergency. I mean, we, we'll roll a truck for for anybody that uh, you know. There's an emergency situation. Um, they they maybe they, they've looked up and they've seen hey, there's a pad mounted transformer there. That you know they've seen one of our danger signs or or something like that. Um, they'll, they'll call and, and we'll we'll come out and and help them out. Um, working with our with our towns and digging um, with our utilities, we'll come out and help them first, but. We contract and um, also with some of our locates now, um, they do a really good job for us. But uh, yeah, people can directly call the co-op and we will get them in the right direction and help them. Um, we can, you can go to our website um, and it, we got a place where you can locate online for a request. So well, either way, um, if, it's, if it's a member of the co-op, don't hesitate to call us. We'll help you out. Great. And, and whose responsibility is it to, to mark private lines um, and, and to go out and do that for the, for the members? Uh, at, at Macon, we can, um, we'll do that for a fee. Uh, we take care of everything uh, to the meter, anything under the meter um, to the residents um, or commercial is, is, on, is on them, but we will, for a fee, we will be happy to do that. Yeah, and that's an important point to note here. It, you know, co-ops are really, really good about kind of helping their members out. Uh, most of the other utilities will not do that. So utilities are only required to mark what they own and operate. So uh, let's let's say your your um, investor-owned utilities or municipal utilities. A lot of times, if there's a line, you know, a private line that runs maybe from the house to a, a shed or a barn or something like that, uh, they won't they won't take the liability of, of marking those lines. So they're just required to mark what they own and operate. And there's a there's a misconception really all across the state that that people assume that all of the lines are going to be marked when in fact that's not the case. It's just the public utility lines. So things like, you know, propane gas lines, um, 
like those lines that go from the house to uh, you know barns or sheds or pools or whatever uh, those those are not going to be marked uh, unless you specifically hire someone to do that yeah that's great information uh, is there anything else you guys would like to really stress to uh, listeners today about this topic before they go into um, some of these spring projects that they're planning I think for the co-op side of it you can just uh, don't hesitate to call it, it, it doesn't it doesn't take a few minutes to to make sure things are safe and if something doesn't feel right or doesn't look right then um, um, call us and we'll we'll be glad to help anybody out um, to make sure that they're that they're taken care of and um, that nobody gets hurt that's that's the end goal is um, the financial part of it is real but in the end we want everybody to uh, not get hurt yeah, and I just want to add to that it's it's a free service. It doesn't cost anybody to use the service to call to get their lines located. Missouri One Call just is 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 operated much like a uh, a cooperative is. So we are member owned. We're member governed. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization, uh, and it, it, it we're funded solely by the utilities. It's an insurance policy for the utilities, basically. So it doesn't cost anybody anything to use the system. You know, if you're going to be doing some excavation work, it's just going to cost you a few minutes of your time. I will tell you, uh, just to kind of add on to that, it, the, the Attorney General's Office, who has the enforcement authority over one call, has gotten very, very aggressive with the enforcement of the law. After that incident in Kansas City happened and there was the fatality there, uh, the AG's office took, took note of that, and they have gotten very, very aggressive with the enforcement of the law. So... Uh, it's it's not going to cost you anything but a few minutes of your time. It's going to save you a lot of headache, a lot of hassle, and it's going to keep you safe. Uh, and we appreciate all that the co-ops are doing to to help us promote safe digging practices. Absolutely. Well, thank you both. Derek, is there a, or is there a place that uh, listeners can go to to learn a little bit more if they have any additional questions? Yeah, absolutely. It's www.moonecall.com. It's, uh, you know, there's a wealth of information there that, that folks can, can check out. And if they have any questions, by all means, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Or, uh, you know, you can certainly reach out to folks like Dan or, or any of the other co-ops throughout the state. I'm sure they'd be happy to answer your questions as well. So we've been talking a lot about Missouri, but we have members that are in Iowa and Oklahoma. Is there anything else that they should take into consideration? Yeah, so there's a, there's a nationwide, you know, nationwide organization called the Common Ground Alliance or, you know, call811.com is also a, a website resource as well. Um, there there are places just like Missouri One Call in every state, but there are differences between the laws. So uh, OK811 is the uh, Oklahoma version of Missouri One Call, uh, and then Iowa has their own version as well. There are different nuances between the states. Some of the some of the states have a smaller tolerance zone. Some of the states have, uh, you know, they don't give utilities as much time to locate their their facilities. So there are various different uh, rule changes in different states. The concept's the same, uh, you know, safe excavation no matter where you're at. And actually, eight one one is a you know a nationwide call before you dig number. So if you're down in the uh, Joplin area. You know, you dial 811, it's probably going to ask you whether or not you're looking for OK 811 or if you're looking for Missouri One Call. Uh, so, it, you know, 811 nationwide number, uh, but it, the concept is the same no matter what. We want folks to be safe no matter where they're at. Great. 
Well, thank you both. This has been uh, fantastic. I know I've learned a lot and um, knowing how important it is to, you know, have the proper steps in place before you dig and, and take on those projects. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank, thank you for the invitation. This has been great. A lot of great tips for digging safely. So before you tackle your spring projects, you know, make sure you take the correct steps for digging safely. And that is it for today. Thanks for listening to the Power For Your Life podcast. To learn more about this topic and other safety, efficiency, and energy technology information, contact your local electric cooperative or visit us on the web at membersfirst.coop. You can also follow us on social media at facebook.com slash membersfirstcooperatives, pinterest.com slash membersfirst, or instagram.com slash membersfirst. If you have a question or topic you would like us to consider for an upcoming episode, email us at membersfirst at aeci.org. Thank you.